Today, I will be interviewing Sean Maloney, Insta-famous for being an international celebrity makeup artist. Discussing going from a broadcast journalism student to Charlotte Tilbury's assistant. And finally, moving on to have his own makeup academy, lashes range and salon. Today's podcast has been brought to you by WeConnect Construction, a lead generation website for the construction industry. Check it out, www.weconnectconstruction.co.uk. It's decent. Welcome, Sean, <laughs> to my podcast. Um, right, all right. So, Sean, you're um, an Insta-famous makeup artist. I love that, Insta-famous. That you are Insta-famous, <laughs> Right, what I'm going to do, Sean, to make you feel at ease, or maybe not so much, we'll do a quick fire round, yeah. um, and you just pick one or the other. Don't think about it. Oh, no. Right, just okay. The first, thing that, <laughs> the first thing that comes to your yeah. mind, and then we'll get into it. Right, you ready? Blackpool or Marbella? Marbella. Dramatic lip or statement eye? Statement eye. Fame or money? Fame. <laughs> Tan on or her done? Tan on. Selfie or candid? Candid. Self-employed or employee? Self-employed. University or work experience? Work experience. YouTube tutorial or workshop? Workshop. Brexit or remain? Brexit. Oh, very good, very good. Do you know what I can't stand when we do these quick five things? You're like, Brexit or remain? And people are like, oh, I don't want to answer. (laughs) Just make your choice and let everybody know. Well done. So, um, fame, you're the first person who said fame, actually. Most people have been like, oh, they, they want to say it, but they've, yeah, they've gone just for money. It. Just say it, that's it, let it out. So, Sean, originally from Blackpool. Yeah. Are you still living in Blackpool? I'm not, no. So, I'm, I was born in Huddersfield, moved to Blackpool, well, a little village a bit away from Blackpool, then moved into Blackpool, right. and then moved around a bit more, and then I moved to Manchester, and my family still live back there. Right, and then, so why did you move to Manchester? For uni? For uni, yeah. So I moved here when I was 17, going on 18, ready for university. And what did you do at uni? So I moved here for uni, and I was going to do, well, I was doing broadcast journalism before that. I was just a bit confused. I didn't like know where to go or what to do. So I was offered a, before that I was like involved in like performing arts and stuff. So I was given a scholarship, a full paid one for the Royal Scottish Academy of Music and Drama in Scotland. And it was like a big, big deal. Went and viewed it. It was unreal. Loved it. But Scotland just wasn't for me. Why? Because of the people. Because everyone was Joking. pale and loved Iron Brew. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I hated it. So I just thought it's not for me. I need something with a bit more colour, a bit more just life. So I had a look around. And then uh, I liked like news reporting, like Vogue, Harper's Bazaar, all that. And I thought, right, journalism sounds good. Um, and then I went to, I saw that Media City had opened. I thought, that'll be great for networking. Corrie was there. There was like loads going on. So then I thought, I'm going to do journalism. So I got onto the course. And then moved here and started that. And then, so you went to uni doing broadcast journalism. Yeah. So what is that to be like a journalist? Well, I got to my third year. I was two weeks from finishing and I'd started getting into makeup. So I applied for, I needed some money. So I applied for a job at Boots and the woman was like, do you want to work on the number seven counter? And I said what's that? And she was like, it's makeup and skincare. Um, and I was like, I have no idea about makeup. I didn't wear it. I didn't know nothing about it. I only moisturised. And she was like, you've got great skin. You'll do fine. And so then you like, 
21 then, I'm guessing, if you're in your third year. I was yeah, plodding along. Longer, cause I'm, in Aug- I'm an August baby. And then when I, I was no- at number seven for like two weeks, um, and I was just using a machine to match people's skin tone, um, two weeks from finishing my degree, and then this woman came up to me and was like, do you want to come for an interview for MAC Cosmetics in Selfridges? And I was like, what's MAC? And she was like, <laughs> that's funny. I'll see you at one. So I went for my interview, and then literally within like, Three days or starting at Mac, um, and that's so you'd only well. been at Boots for a couple of weeks then, two weeks, yeah. and then just some random woman come into yeah, Boots. She just came up, but I had, I had like this, I had a different look to everyone that was on the makeup counters. So I was, I was quite tall, I wore like up black, like a full black suit, whereas like everyone was in like these little like weird uniforms and stuff. And I don't know, she just was attracted to me, came over and said, Do you want to come for the interview? And I was like, Yeah. Why not? And she was like, it's yeah. £2.50 more an hour. So I was like, I'll do it. <laughs> and so then at this point, had you made a decision to stop university? No, so I, st- I was still at uni. And then basically makeup started going well at Mac. I was only working one day a week. Uh, well, start, it was meant to be one day a week, but I was there for quite a few days doing training and stuff. And I started like picking it up really quickly. And then I went to, I had a friend that works in PR and he messaged me and he was like, I've seen you, you do makeup. Do you fancy coming down to London next week um, and doing makeup for Amy Willerton? It's going to be this big campaign shoot in the Daily Mail. It's going to be massive. He was like, I'll give you 500 quid for it. I was For me, that back then, I was like, <gasps> I was like oh my God, 500 pounds. Like, I'm going to get a car. And then I was like, it's amazing. So I was like, yeah, I can't wait. So, But at that time, it worked out well because I was meant to be in London for an internship with Heat Mag with my degree to finish it. Uh, right, um, okay. So I was in London anyway, but I was staying. I went down and I was staying in this like horrible little hostel. Um, and I did day one of Heat magazine, and then day two I rang in sick for the internship to go do the shoot. Um, and then after the shoot, it just went so well. I just thought, you know what, I'm out of here. I was like, literally got back to the hostel, packed my kit, packed my case, got on the next train back to Manchester. And I rang my mum on the way home and I said. That's it, I'm quitting my degree. She was like, two weeks from finishing, do not oh do it. Oh, my God. Like, I am not one for, for like, forcing out. So I've got two boys, and I would never force them into anything. Like, mm. degrees are, like, whatever they choose to be, they can be, I couldn't give a shit if they want to be purple elephants. <laughs> if it pays the bills, yeah. then they can crack on. But two weeks before yeah, the degree, if he weeks. came home and was like, Mum, I'm going to quit, I would drag him to that university and sit with him while he finished yeah, there. I was so close, but I had I had a gut instinct. I knew, I knew it was going to work, and I, I, I saw it as, that's two two weeks of 12-hour days at uni. Within them two weeks, I'm going to be passing down opportunities with this PR company that I've met, with Amy, that then, a few days later, took me back down to London to do a makeup for a premiere, and it, the ball was rolling faster than I could could I could see so much coming, and I just yeah. knew that that's two weeks of missed opportunities, which I weren't going to do, um, because this is the, the most crucial part. It's the start of my career. Yeah, I mean, I've, I absolutely admire <laughs> the balls that that must have taken at that yeah. age to be like, because it's difficult when you're starting any business mm. and you're right right at the beginning is the time when if you're given an opportunity, then you need to grab it with all hands yeah. and just do it. So fucking fair play for <laughs> everything that you've worked for. You're just, Throwing it in and, yeah. and cracking on. So I know when we did that little quick fire thing, you was like work experience over university. Is that something when you was growing up? Would you have always? Did you always think I want to go to university? I want to get a degree and then go on to do something? Or do you think? Or was you just like, oh, I'm going to uni because I don't really know what to do? 
Um, it, do you know what? My mum <coughs> my mum has a degree, a master's, a PhD. My sister has a degree, a master's. Everyone in my family has a degree and a master's. Right, okay. And I, they said, like, you you might not want it. My mum was pretty fair. She was like, you might not love university, but you need the life experience. You need to go meet people. You need to know how to pay your bills. You need to know how to do this. So go do it for that um, and obviously try to get an education out of it. But it, it just wasn't for me. Like, as soon as I was there, it's it's not what people think it is. And I know that from work experience and from actually just being somewhere hands-on, like I can see now young kids doing apprenticeships and things, and I think good on them because that's what's going to get you the job. That's what's going to get you the money, yeah. not a piece of paper. Some of my friends have done major degrees in politics and like what, like what, science and biology and big, big ones, which I could like can't even spell probably. <laughs> and I'm on triple their money. And yeah. they're unemployed, some of them still, and they're in London and they've done politics and masters and all this. And, and they look at me and they're like, how have you done it? And I'm like, yeah. you've just got to go with your gut and follow what you want to do. Like, yeah. don't be blindsided by degrees and the education system, which is massively dated anyway. Yeah, and I think I think another thing that feeds into that is, like, how you're brought up. So what's good for you is that your mum's been quite chill with it and mm. she was like, get your degree, the life experience, which thing is all um, mm. fair points to make out because you don't get that when you're doing your apprenticeship and whatnot and you're still living at home then you don't have that kind of money management that you get when you're at university but there are some parents who kind of force of education and so everybody else who we've done podcasts with none of the parents have really gone to university so Mm. it was never a thing for them so what's nice to see is somebody who comes from that background to still be able to have the opportunity to go on and do something else but I, I find in business, the majority of people who I meet who are successful business owners generally come from a background of not going to university yeah. and a family that hasn't had much money because you just kind of um, have these survival instincts where you're like, I've got to earn some money, mm. I've got to crack on, I've got nothing. So you tend to be more successful than those who have gone to university and got the degrees or PhDs and all the rest of it and then they've got all this stuff but still end up working for somebody else. Because they don't have that drive to get the money to live. Yeah, and they just yeah. don't have that kind of ambition that, that you mm. that you're gonna have got now from you're just like all right I've dropped out of uni <laughs> <Help>. <laughs> I need to I need to do something about it oh my god and all them fees you would have got as well so can you not just finish that off I know you probably wouldn't but I would never go back and finish it but I, th- I think I've come away with like I don't even look at it anymore like I don't even class it as anything to think about because I'm so far in the other direction yeah but it's I think I've come away with like a foundation degree in journalism or something like that. Oh, well, I mean, the the balls to do what you did. So then after that, am I right in saying you went working for Charlotte Tilbury? So before Charlotte Tilbury, I... So obviously I was self-employed because I was a makeup artist on my own. I'd left uni, but I still needed a little bit of security. Mm -hmm. Um, So I went and became a regional makeup artist for Yves Saint Laurent. So I travelled around, like, basically the northwest of YSL, um, opening up counters, doing masterclasses, and I loved it. It was, like, one of my favourite How did you get good at it? Like, I am 35. (laughs) I'm a 35, yeah. Because I always lie about my age. I'm 35, (laughs) and absolutely dog shit at makeup like I can do a bit of mascara I've just mastered eyeliner but as you can probably tell not that well <laughs> and I, I've just started to wear the um, that glowy that glowy moisturiser do you know what I mean primer primer that, that, that looks shiny I've just I've just invested in some of that and I've had like whatever 25 years going on with makeup so I in such a short space yeah. of time have you gone from like not even knowing who Mac is to then like touring with YSL and 
Uh, do you know what? I, th- I think anyone can learn makeup. Like, I had no no experience. I had no idea about it. But, and no one was going to train me. No one was teaching me. All the girls were really competitive and they didn't give you the time of day when you started. But I just watched them and I saw if she's using that to do that, I can do that. I'll just try it on someone. So I just got my friend in a practice and practice. And then I, I knew that I was I was I was gonna I was gonna make it. So I why couldn't I apply for YSL as a regional artist? Why couldn't I be Charlotte Tilbury's assistant? Why couldn't I do this? But this? I think that's the key. Like, how did you know you was gonna make it? Because I just I never I, I always make sure that I'm successful in what I do because I want to do it. If I want to do it, I'll do it. I didn't want to do my degree, so I just knew it wasn't gonna work out. Yeah. So I need to put my energy and my passion into something that I will. I know that I can make a success of. It's about just having a gut instinct and just cutting cutting off dead ends. If it's not going to work, don't finish them two weeks with another. Don't yeah, waste I mean, time. when you're talking really, like the ambition and passion really mm. comes across from you. Just you saying like, oh, I know, I knew I could do it. Yeah. That's the difference between you and so many other makeup artists because obviously there's there's hundreds of thousands mm. of makeup artists, and not all of them get to be. Insta famous, as they say, or um, like of working for the people and they've had the career so far that you've had. And the reason for that is because generally it's their own mind what yeah. will hold them back from it and their own ambitions and what they believe they can yeah, achieve, and not necessarily if you know how to do the perfect flick. Mm. Charlotte Tilbury used to say to me she said um, when I remember we launched the Liverpool counter and she said she went I'm not the best makeup artist she went I there's so many better people out there than me but she's the world's number one makeup artist and the reason for that is because she can talk the talk she can walk the walk and she's a walking talking marketing machine yeah, she can know. brand anything if you are still talking to her asking how her, how her day is within five seconds she will have sold you her moisturiser Really? And I knew that, that that's, that's the sort of person that I want to be around and that's the sort of person I want to be. So then how did you get to that point then to, to become her assistant? So I was one of her lead artists for the UK. So she has about, about she, at that time she had 12 of them. Um, but I was at YSL and I loved it. And then I was approached. So I was at YSL in Manchester doing a little masterclass and there was a recruitment manager for Charlotte Tilbury and she started we're opening up in Selfridges. Um, she was like, it's not really a big brand at the minute. It's going to be massive. And I thought, I've... I asked, I said to the YSL, like the regional national manager or whatever she was called, and I said, where can you take me next? Because if you're not going to make me go any bigger or better, I'm going to have to go. And she said, she went, you need to be a regional makeup artist for at least another year before we can make you national. I said, I'm going, because I, I haven't got time. She was like, you're only 20 summer. I was like, no. I was like, I need to be at this stage, at this age, and if I'm not, someone else will offer it me. So I just left with two weeks Good, and fun. then went to Charlotte Tilbury and... For Charlotte Tilbury, I was mainly based in Liverpool, and that was a hard slog. Like, I'll always be grateful for my position now because that could have broke me. It was so hard. Why? Like, what do you just travelling, like, to Liverpool every single day, being stuck in train stations on my own at, like, 12 o'clock at night because all the trains were cancelled, and then having to wake up at 5am, get in there, and then just... It was just hell on earth. Um, and how long did you do that for? About nine, ten months, and that that was a hard slog. It was a hard job. There was a lot of hard targets. There were like, one day I'd be in London, like in like Harrods, and then the next day I'd be in Liverpool. Then I'd be in Manchester, and then it was so pressurised and so strict. And it's such a shame because it's a beautiful brand by an amazing makeup artist, but the behind the scenes stuff, it was like a duck underwater. You could see the feet like this, but on top it looked so calm. But it just yeah. wasn't like that. And then that's when I knew I want to do what she's done. She's launched a brand. 
I can I can do this that she can do. I can do that. So I just thought I'm gonna go do it. So that's after working for for her, then you got all of your experience, and that's when you was like, I'm just gonna. Yeah, I was still doing celebrities and shoots, and by then I'd done. I had my big break. I'd done Lily Allen's makeup before Charlotte Tilbury, so I was already brought on as a celebrity makeup artist. I'd already got that reputation, um, and then I just remember thinking like. It's time to just run with it. Just make so like, it how work. old was you at this point and then when you decided to go it alone? I think, I want to say 20... I want to say 23 or 24. I'm bad with my age because I just tell everyone I'm 23 all the time. <laughs> I think I'm like... <laughs> I'm 25. I'm 25. <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> That's what I mean. I just lie all the time. I genuinely can't remember all the um, Right, so you'd only been doing it a couple of years then when you've gone, all right, I'm going to do it alone. Another thing I want to ask you about that, just because my friend... Um, she does her her ops and she's done it for like the NTAs and celebrities and this, that and the other. To get in with people, she was doing it all for free and she was treated like a bag of shit. Uh, she said some of the celebrities was nice. Uh, I'm doing air quotes, celebrities. Some of them was tossers and generally the ones who weren't really celebrities was the ones who was a bit rude as well. And then she was working for free. She had loads of kids at home as well. She's mm. travelling the country. All the things that you were saying, but she also had a family back home. And in the end she was just like, forget this. Um and then she 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 gave up on it because she was like she was really struggling to then start introducing prices. And it was alright, all well and good then when she was doing like normal people's hair, then she'd say like, Oh, she'd done celebrities so she could charge a bit more. But it wasn't really justifying all the freebies that she was doing and all the travel and all the rest of it. So did you, when you first started doing these celebrities, was you charging or do you or did you slowly introduce that so other people who was, would be interested in this, what would, what is the best approach to that? I think that is a really good question. It's quite a difficult question because it depends on your circumstances and who who the celebrities and where you're going. My one of my first celebrities was Lily Allen and I charged her, charged her full whack and I charged her for my travel and. And there was not. It, it's not Lily that's paying. It's it's her Come team. It's it. her management. And you've got to bear that in mind. Like when I did Hello Magazine, some people feel really awkward about pricing. And you you're running a business. Like I am my business. Like my half a day rate is this. You pay or you don't get me. And that's the way. Do you way feel it like is. in the beginning people take advantage? So you'll see what happens with other people. Do you feel like people take advantage of that? Yeah, and I do think people are their own worst enemy because if you keep doing it for free, they're going to expect everyone to do it for free. So you've just got to know your worth. Your products cost money. Your time costs money. You waking up at 5 a.m., that costs money. Like, everything costs money. And if you're charging X amount of money that's not going to cover anything, you're obviously not managing, like, your cash flow right and how you're going to work your business. When I started out, I did do I did do a few people for free um, in return for, like, marketing and things like that. Yeah. And that that I did find that worked, and it was a great way of doing it, but then... You, you don't go you don't keep doing that time after time after time and it depends if I'm going to London and someone's asked to do it for promo or for marketing that's fine but I'm going to need my train covering I'm going to need this doing and this doing and you've, it's just about working it around and I think with me what I did which was really clever was I'm, I am a celebrity makeup artist but I'm also launching a brand. I've got a salon. I've got a makeup academy. I've got loads of other things going on which will bring me the income. So if I want to go and do someone for free, yeah. that's not my sole income. I My most best thing is doing a celebrity's makeup, being at a red carpet event or being in that kind of buzz of the moment and music videos and films and everything like that. But my main source of income for me is my teaching and being at the makeup academy. That's what keeps me me going. So it's just about if she was going to do the hair ups, 
like and doing them for free that's amazing but can she not be teaching on the side or can she not be uh, maybe doing little master classes or working for a bridal hair company or something on the side maybe one yeah, or two so days you, a week so you say like oh the main income isn't from that but that gets you your kind of reputation in the mm. industry doesn't it or to other people then to the majority of people they'll see you doing like Lily Allen's makeup or whoever else and you're doing all these shoots and all the rest of it they'll see that and think like oh I want him to do my makeup mm. because he's done all of this stuff so then it, that kind of gets you your name but yeah. it doesn't really bring in the income no. your income's coming from all the other stuff what you're yeah. doing so then so but that's what launched you first you was doing the celebrity stuff and then from the what did you do next then did so when I left Charlotte Tilbury I start there was when we, we when I worked there you weren't allowed to use eyelashes on on the counter on any of the stores anything it was just mascara and I thought eyelashes complete the look and I always said that I was like I can't wait till she brings out lashes can't wait after leave once I left I thought I'm going to launch my own lash brand if they're not going to supply it and I don't like eyelore and I don't like this and I don't like that I'll start creating my own so I just started throwing some sketches together I got my top 10 eyelashes cut them all up stuck them down on some paper sent them away to like four manufacturers and they was like oh you can't you can't create your own you've got to pick from our catalogue and we'll brand them like private label stuff um, and I was like mm. I was like no because I, I know that this lash will work so I'll go to another manufacturer I found a manufacturer that is really similar well it's basically the same factory that Huda Beauty has her lashes done in um, and they started creating them they hand sewn them all I got 10 styles together um, and I loved it and then I did a massive launch event in Manchester and it just it, that for me was like one of the one of the best things, like creating something, drawing it, the packaging, yeah. launching it, smashing it, and then two weeks after that, that's when I launched the salon and the makeup academy. So it was very in a very short space of time. So now your eyelashes, do you just sell them from your salon and online, or do you have them in other stores and that as well, or what? What do you do then? So when I launched, I launched them on my own website, and then they are available in the salon, and they are, there is loads of other suppliers all around the country that have my lashes in the salons or the makeup academies. Um, but I secured a contract with Pretty Little Thing within days of launching the eyelash line, which I was um, really happy with. Um, the truth is, though, I just I couldn't handle... Like, the demand for the lashes, I didn't think they were going to be that big. I knew they were going to be successful, but I didn't realise my site was going to crash every few hours. I didn't realise people were going to be buying them off other people and charging more because they wanted the lashes so bad. And it just took off really quick. And then the contract was a pretty little thing. It was... It was all new to me. I'd never dealt with anything like suppliers and POA order forms or crap like that that I don't yeah. know anything about. And I was like, this is so new to me. I'm a makeup artist. Now I'm having to be a makeup artist, a social media intern. I'm having to do everything. Um, and I remember, like, I think we were about six orders in, and they said, like, right, we're going to triple our order now because they're our fastest selling lash line we've ever had. And for me, I was gutted, but I just I can't do it. I'm going to have to pull out. And they were, oh, they really? were gutted. They was like, can we just have you behind the scenes? Can we maybe have your lash line? But And there was there was loads and loads of discussions. But what I was doing is makeup artists that were coming to my website to buy the lashes, they were never there because Pretty Little Thing wiped me out. And then they wanted to wipe me out even more. And it was amazing. And it was such an amazing achievement. But I just knew that I need to focus on one thing and I'll come back to that. And it's not finished. I'll come back and I'll 
give them all the lashes that they want and smash that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair play. So then, so, but you're right as well, like in business, you can't have, um, you, you've got to focus on the on the main thing that mm. you want, number one, which you're going to be most passionate about mm. um, because generally you'll be more successful at that one, I think. And when you initially started, you are a makeup artist, not a person who makes yeah. eyelashes. So you've gone, all right, okay, I'm going to focus on the salon mm. and the workshops. Yeah, and the masterclasses, yeah. And the, so the masterclass, is that not a workshop? Sorry, uh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's kind of like a workshop. So I'd, I'd done a few masterclasses where I go to people's salons and they sell tickets and people come see me and you have like a meet and greet and take pictures. And to be honest, that's what grew my social presence really quickly. And then I was really lucky enough to sign a contract with Grosvenor Casino. Um, so they approached me and like, right, we're a casino, but we love what you do. We love beauty. We want to kind of get people into a casino and I'd never been in one before so I was like drunk people gambling how is that going to fit in with makeup but casinos can be quite glam like people that go in there they've got money to spend people are quite dressed up sometimes so I did like I think it was about a 15 day tour around the UK so from like Glasgow Liverpool London four in Manchester Birmingham everywhere and just did an amazing tour with them Um, and that's when people come and they like watch two visual makeup looks I got like a few reality stars to model or celebrities or just high-end models Um, and it just went really well that was I love doing masterclasses and that just continued the momentum of the speed of me growing really and then, so now, obviously, you are, like, Insta-famous. <laughs> um, so do you get lots of work coming through that now, like your social media side of things, or would it be from still from the masterclasses in your salon? What would your target be? It's weird because uh, the work comes from everywhere because even though I am a makeup artist, I have about ten different doors open at once. So there's obviously the lash line, the income from the lashes and the suppliers and the wholesalers, etc. Then there's the makeup academy, there's the courses, there's the lessons, there's running the salon as a whole where you earn an income from that as well. And then there's obviously me doing, for example, when I did Sean's makeup from Hello Magazine, that's like a really quite a big a big job. So a nice chunk. So that's me as a celebrity makeup artist. And then there's me just doing normal clients on a Saturday. Then there's me being booked like a PA to turn up as like a maybe like a guest judge on a panel or something. There's just so many different doors open. So even though I am a makeup artist as my main job, all of these kind of fit in and that's what I tell people the beauty of my job is it's endless. If I yeah, was it's so different. Yeah. You're doing that, so I guess it's like lots of fun in it. Yeah. I can I, do you actually everything. make me want to be a make I'm shit at it, <laughs> but I feel like I, maybe I could learn it. Actually. Do it. Do you I'll have to be like you. quite arty though? No, not at all. Like I literally am the I was the worst person at art. I think I didn't even pass it up. Really? Yeah. You, and imagine you have to be like quite creative. Or at least have a steady hand. Just, and, and, and patient. Like, I get bored. I'll be like, oh, fuck it. Yeah, <laughs> do yourself. <laughs> Back on, have a wine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> no, you, got, you do have to have some, like, some level of patience and stuff, especially when teaching. I think teaching's hard. I, that's my most challenging aspect of the, everything that I do. I do think that's hard, but it's so rewarding. So, like, there's makeup artists, for example, Lauren, who is one of my makeup artists. She was still like a teacher for eight years, had no idea about makeup. I taught her on a three-day course, um, and then she did a one-day top-up, and now she's a makeup artist at my makeup company. She's done fashion week shoots, magazines, oh, everything. Yeah. So it can be taught. I feel like I'm being sold to, but I might come to one. <laughs> so when should we sign you up? <laughs> <laughs> but, but then I think I might... I mean, just so if I can do my own makeup, it'd be well worth it. So, that's what, so you, do you run these from your salon, then? You'll just be like, oh, for a couple of days... You get so that's the courses. These are full-blown courses. So if you want to be a makeup artist, you come and do the three-day course or the two-day course. 
Or if you just want to learn to do your own, you can come and do a one-to-one master your own makeup lesson. Or if we're at other salons around the country, or maybe like the thing that I did with Grosvenor Casino, um, that's a masterclass. So you just visually come and that's kind of like, it's like a, a bit of a buzz. You just get to kind of meet the model, meet me, ask questions. Yeah. Kind of get and then drunk. do you have people <laughs> working for you now, like under your brand? Yeah, so I well. have I have people that work in the salon and work in the makeup academy. These are still self-employed, but they are under my brand. They've got things that they need to stick to. And obviously, as long as I'm doing well, you're doing well because I'm, I'm so fair. If as many people that can take places and do things and... All my students that do courses with me, I take them to do big jobs like Miss Manchester, Miss Cheshire, Miss World. Like, I get them involved behind the scenes doing makeup. Because when I was there, no one did that for me. No one took me to Miss Manchester and gave me a chance to do four beautiful yeah, girls. But is that because people are a bit bitchy? I imagine, like, in such a. In that kind of industry, I don't want to be sexist against my own sex, which I get accused of all the time. <laughs> but like, quite, but women can be quite catty, can't they? Yeah, I think it was an, an eye opener going into such a female orientated industry. It was a, a big eye opener how it's so different from working with men. Really? So different. Like what? Cause if, the, if there's a problem, guys will just say like, "Don't do that. Yeah. That's annoying." But if it's a girl, they won't say it. They might go somewhere well, obviously, else. Or... I'm just like, I'm completely with you on this. So um, obviously when I was on The Apprentice, I was like, oh, I love it how you just say it how it is. And I didn't realise that that is not life. Because yeah. I've got four brothers and I'm <laughs> That's in construction. Why you do it. So I'm in like a male industry mainly. So I'm always with men. So in, to me, I'm just like, if I've got a problem, I'll just be like, that's shit. Oh, if yeah. something's good, I'll be like, oh, that's me. Like, <laughs> whatever it is. And you just say it and move on. And then people kept pointing out. And I was like, what is this? And then you start hearing stories of, of other things. And maybe I don't have, like, loads of girl best mates. I do have some girl best mates, but the same as me. And so then you see how other things run. And I'm like, oh, mm. my. I mean, I, I couldn't. I would end up arrested. I could yeah. not cope it's with hard. that kind of <laughs> thing going on. And, like, you hear a bit, like, I imagine there's a lot of jealousy. So then why have you been better than everybody else especially as a man in a woman's industry i think there's there is there's a few things i think one which i tell there it's a highly highly competitive industry um and i think me being a guy has favored slightly for example for the charlotte tilbury lead artist role there was 10 people for an interview nine were girls they all had brown hair they all had loads of makeup on they all had the lips done and then i just was in the middle of that you're gonna hire me because it's different, it stand out. I've got the, I, I had the presence. Um, so I think that's it as well. Like be unique, be different, be yourself. Like I, when it comes to social media and the competitiveness, one thing I actually don't do is I don't follow other makeup artists that maybe are on my level or a bit higher than me or because I don't want to know what they're doing. I don't want to see, I don't care about anyone else. I just want to focus on me and I want to, make my brand great. I want to make my makeup artist the best it can be. I want to I want to keep doing me. I'm not bothered what. Do you know what? Me, the, people who are listening can't see this, but I've got a big smile on my face. And the reason <laughs> is, but honestly, I am exactly the same. My yeah. industry is totally different. It's construction. Well, obviously, I'm a woman in construction. But I'm exactly the same way as I do not give a shit what my competitors <laughs> are doing. I, I could not care less. I yeah. do not care. And then people will say to me, I've had a company that's been going for like nine years. Oh, have you heard they're doing this? And have you heard that magazine's doing that? I, don't, I, I do not care because I've got my past, so I've got my own ideas. 
and my partner fails himself by doing that because he's always comparing himself. He's got um, a healthy eating brand equals health, name drop. And <laughs> he, he's always comparing himself to other people and that, oh, they're doing this, they're doing that. And I'm like, it's throwing you off now what you should be spending your time doing because yeah. you started off redesigning your website and now you're looking at what they're doing and how many odds they've sold. And I think sometimes you, you can lose track of not only in that moment exactly what you're doing, but then the bigger picture as yeah, well. It's really important just to do you in it. It's so it's the biggest thing. Like you can't get caught up on the industry or where it's going or where it's been or what people are doing. Just make a plan, stick to it, and do it. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I love. I, honestly, I love that. <laughs> and I want to ask you a bit something else as well. Some people are like, oh, you shouldn't wear makeup. It's like covering up your identity. Or it's not. Um, you should be confident in yourself without makeup what would your opinion on this be especially when you've done such a transformation with mm. um sophie yeah. really yeah sophie's been a friend for years and years and years and she was a fire breather she went to chicago um and as she was fire breathing on stage there was a problem with the aircon caused by the events company and they turned it on and as she fire breathed it blew into her face and badly badly injured her um and she was in t- intensive care and it was really really serious life or death um anyway it was healing really well it was really great she she had the best team around her she traveled back to the uk after being out there for a long long time but because sophie's chinese they produce a lot more collagen than white british people and it was at the time of the heat wave in the uk so when she came back her scars started to protrude and because the collagen was producing too much um, and the scars then caused like facial disfigurement um, and Sophie, she's always been a friend. So throughout this, we was always messaging and chatting. And I was always there when I saw her at events and PR places and things. Um, and then I said, I'd love to do your makeup. I'd let, let's do it. Let's let's show people beautiful before and beautiful after. Um, and she was up for it. And we did it at the Makeup Academy. Um, and it was a massive success. And we posted the picture and it went viral. And as we did it, I said, put on the post, anyone who has gone through this or gone through burns, facial disfigurement, acid burns, being bit by an animal, anything like that, I'll give you free makeup lessons. Just message me and come to the Makeup Academy. And there was about 15 that took up the offer and there was about 80 that had verbal consultations, whether they rang me or whether they rang the salon or back and forward messages for weeks. Um, And I was fine with it because what is an hour of my day to do a free makeup lesson when... I'm in work anyway. It doesn't bother me. Um, And it was so, so rewarding. You did get a few people that said, oh, she was beautiful before. She didn't need the makeup. She might not need the makeup. She is beautiful. She doesn't need the makeup, but she's confident with it. And she wants that makeup. Who are you to say that she... She doesn't need it or she doesn't deserve it. Makeup is a tool to give people confidence. And it is so frustrating when people comment on someone else's makeup. It's not, you're not wearing it. It's nothing to do with you. She wants to wear it like that. Let her wear it like that. It, it's again it comes down to empowering each other and sometimes people are so quick to just jump on what you're wearing what you look like your hair color your eye color your lips are too big or anything like that and if you just said oh do you know what you look really nice there might actually be a little bit more kindness going around and people might yeah. actually think do you know what i'll wear this makeup i might get that job interview today so yeah. i think if nothing nice to say don't say it <laughs> yeah 100 like, i i agree with what you're saying i think it just can should enhance natural beauty i do sometimes i do see people and i think god you all look same like do they <laughs> like i go out now and i'm like everybody does look the same but that is coming from like a ginger old woman so <laughs> obviously i do look very different to 
for the majority of people out there. And sometimes I think, oh, it's a shame that, especially younger girls are influenced by this. But then I think a lot of it is just that, that they are mm. just younger girls and they've not quite found themselves yet and where they want to be. And everybody experiments. And at some yeah. point, y'all end up looking the same and yeah. you find your own way. So I think you're right. People just need to zip it really. Yeah. Just it's just a, it. it's a trend. What What's going on now is a trend. Just like my sister who's 34 and she has basically no eyebrows because her trend back then was to overpluck them. And so now she's like, oh my God, it's coming back around to big bushy brow. It's a trend and it circles. Embrace it or don't or just get on with it. <laughs> yeah, but just leave people yeah. to it. Leave it to it. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> I totally agree. Okay, so um, Joanna, my friend on The Apprentice, is a beautiful, beautiful black woman. She's, I mean, she's stunning. Uh, on The Apprentice, they do um, give you a little touch up, as I said before, you know, when you, we was talking before we started um, recording this. Um, and they give you a little touch up, but Joanna was like, there is no way they can do my makeup because of her, of her skin colour. They was like, she'd be too dark, they won't have the right makeup. And she wouldn't let anybody do her hair because she's like, they don't know what they're doing. Yeah. So she has all of these problems with being a black woman, of which I don't really understand because as we have established here, I don't understand makeup. Do you do black women's makeup and what are the struggles with this? I do do black. I do everybody's makeup, whether you're Chinese, Asian, black, Caribbean, white, British. But I do everybody's makeup. With um, the industry, there is there is problems. There is maybe elements of people that aren't educated enough to be in the roles that they're in with people of colour. It's a big thing now that when a brand releases foundations, if they don't do what Rihanna did with Fenty Foundation and release over 40, you're slated. And that's how it should be. If a brand brings out four foundations and there's only one dark one, that's not acceptable. You need to be catering for every single skin tone out there. And I think there is a level of responsibility that isn't with the makeup artist. Not every single makeup artist is trained to do people of colour's makeup. Yeah, that is what I was thinking. Like, would doing Joanna's makeup be a complete different techers than doing my makeup? Because I'm so pale. It's definitely a different technique and it's definitely about knowing what products to use, what brands to use, what tones to use, because a nude lip on you would be completely different on Joanna. So people that... Um, have darker skin tends to go for a more of a darker look to have it to make it nude but I think when people are booked on jobs it's down to the person who's booking the job it's their responsibility it's not the makeup artist if you are reaching out for someone to do a magazine shoot and you have one Chinese lady one black lady and one white British lady you need to make sure that the makeup artist can do that don't just book them and let them turn up and then yeah. not and not be a company because that's not fair on the, the people that are having the makeup done because they're made to feel like they're a problem when they're not it's down to the booker 80% and 20% the makeup artist that should be trained in that when people do courses with me I make sure when we do the kit list that they have at least 50% shades for darker skin tones and they're like oh I don't really know any any um, black ladies or Chinese I, it, that's fine but you're going into an industry where everybody's different and you should cater for absolutely everybody out there and it's not acceptable not to and that's how I see it anyway yeah so to have because, because you are right at the same time as well if they're on the planning on like going to be doing the friends and family and they, yeah. then they, do, they don't know any yeah. black women or Chinese women so there's a chance that they're never going to do it then they're like oh do I have to buy all this foundation which is going to go off or whatever yeah, happens should, to it just and, then, and then it's things so you can kind of understand but yeah. at the same time if it's going to be the profession somebody shouldn't feel well I guess discriminated against yeah, that's what, it is. what about men's makeup do you do men's yeah so it's it's really really po it is really really popular so like I've, I've been booked on a job I think it was a radio interview um five live and i had to do adrian child's makeup 
and he, he was loving it. Yeah, absolutely loving it. And I've done, I have done a good amount of men's. I've done James Hill from The Apprentice as well. Um, oh, yeah. He did. I think it was like I think I was booked on Celebrity Come Down Me or something like that. Um, but guys are on camera. They're still going to get shiny. They're still going to have bags under their eyes. Yeah, when they're on camera. But what about like just a night out? So like, I think, what was it? Like Guy Liner was all right. They it? just want that. They want to look at it, don't they? And just think, oh, it's masculine. So eyeliner, rock. And loads of famous guys wear fake tan. So that's acceptable. Tom Ford brought out a men's beauty range and men's cosmetics line. So they brought out concealer. They brought out, I think, maybe a foundation and some elements, other things. And it was one of the best selling lines ever. Oh, really? I was going to say, because that's such a good idea, because sometimes, like, obviously, I lived with all the men in The Apprentice, and I can tell you a fair few of them were whacking their yeah. command as well, because they was paranoid, like, they're going to be on camera all day yeah. as well, and then you get a big spot, like, they're not coming, although some of them as well actually did bring their own makeup in, but it was women's makeup, yeah. you know, because there isn't really anything bothering, is, is there? And the, it is a bit tight, yeah. you know, when they, if, like, you're going on the stage, or, you know, you're doing some public speaking event, and then you've got, like, spots or whatever there isn't really anything bothering me yeah they did they brought out the range and it did so so <laughs> well and i remember when i was even when i was at mac and ysl and stuff guys would come up and be like oh i need a concealer it's it's for my girlfriend she's the same shade as me it was for him he just yeah. didn't want to say it which is fine but the more events i go to and the more nights out i'm on Mo I'd say like 78% of the guys are wearing some sort of makeup on the skin, whether it's a tinted moisturizer or can I'd say like 80% are wearing concealer now. It's it's not such a a big deal. There's as much pressure on men to look a certain way with the media as the same as women now. It's not harming anyone. But they will like they will still get called for it. Yeah. I, I mean they, they would get slated and men are more ruthless than women. Yeah. Whereas like if they're getting their eyebrows done and some my hair and I'm always like, oh let me put you some mascara and he's got lovely long <laughs> eyelashes. And I really just want to curl them and stick some mascara on, you know, because that's all I can do. But but see like what it looks like and I imagine that how beautiful men would be. But then it might make all men like a 10 and then you know like your women who are a 10 and then when you you take your makeup off imagine waking up in the morning you're like next to a three like oh my god it's happening to me what well you've been tricking men with all of our lives um so yeah harrison's like no way whatsoever i think it's still a step too far for men for yeah i think men i think you'd be so surprised over people that you come like when you're doing shoots or whether you're just on a night out and this the people and like oh yeah I wear a bit of concealer and you're like you wouldn't, I would never expect you to turn around and say you're wearing concealer and go for a spray tan twice a week or, yeah. but they, they do. And I think there's no, it's changed so quickly. I've been in the makeup industry for nine years and within them eight to nine years, it, it has dramatically changed and it is becoming even more and more and more acceptable for guys to look after themselves a bit more. Cause that's all it really is. They're not coming out of a, a, a black smoky eye, which would be fine if they did, but yeah. <laughs> if they're not doing that, they're kind of just covering the bags, covering the spots, just trying to make themselves look hundred percent. Well, just like top. you said, yeah. just like enhancing Clean, yeah. what they've, they've already got there perhaps rather than them. Just like a full, yeah. full cover, like, <laughs> like you said. Um, right, and so Sean, to sum it up as well, then what what are you doing at the moment? What have you got coming up? What is so we've won the best beauty salon 2019 at the English Home Makeup Awards, which is unreal. Amazing. 
Um, we are going back on the 26th of May. Watch Salon Um, Aurora House of Beauty. Um, and then that's home to Sean Maloney Makeup Academy. And we're going back for the Makeup Awards on the 26th of May, where we're nominated for Celebrity Makeup Artist of the Year and Makeup Training Academy of the Year. So hopefully, mm. fingers crossed, that could be amazing. Yeah. Um, and then I've got an exciting product launch coming out. So I'm collaborating with another brand and I'll be launching the Celebrity Edit, which will be an amazing palette an eyeshadow palette, a liquid lipstick, a lip liner, and some extra bits. And then I'll be going on a whole UK tour with that palette to IMAX, to the Beauty UK show, and kind of just taking that everywhere and just making that like the next big thing this year. Perfect. <laughs> Sounds very exciting. I can't wait. I, and then potentially teaching me as well. <laughs> I bet that's like the top of your list. We can teach you. So that was great. Right, well, um, you've been brilliant, Sean. Um really interesting as well actually and you you've got your head screwed on i love your your passion and ambition although you're a very different sector to mine business is business and, <laughs> and I, you can spot somebody who, who's doing or is going to do great things um as well which, which i'm sure you will do so it's been amazing to interview. Oh, thank you for having me yes thank you very much for coming in sean everybody <laughs> Thanks for listening. Please remember to visit www.michaela-wayne.co.uk. Here you can find all of Sean's social media handles. Subscribe to the podcast, leave your feedback and don't troll.